Welcome to the club, cause you're that kind of nerd. Hello, and welcome to the club. This is That Kind of Nerd, a show where we talk about the nerdy things we're passionate about and judge each other on what we bring to the table. I'm your host this week, Josh Burns, and I'm joined by Brian Thornton and CJ Mellon. <clears throat> what up? I refuse to say hello under protest <laughs> as Josh should not be hosting this week and CJ just sucks at hosting and, no. ca- and, and cast this. You know, a little salty. Right. I couldn't say it last week for fear of losing points, but I could say it. Well, not last week, three weeks ago, but now I could say it. This is an unceremonious win. Wow. Right. Well, well, since since relaunching the best nerdy podcast on planet Earth, we have a new show format. At the end of each topic, I'll be judging the conversation and awarding points to my co-hosts. I may be also judging them throughout. <laughs> the winner at the end of the show will be the host next week. Um, so I have a topic um, that can wait if one of you has something you're burning to discuss. Yes, Josh, I have a a topic that I think we we just need to open up with. Uh, and and I, I and by the the sound that Brian just made, I think maybe his topic Probably as well. The same to- topic, which I is got back uh, the topics just in case. W- Good, because we need to talk about what's going on with HBO, DC, uh, Discovery Plus, this whole drama surrounding. Everything going on, particularly within the DCEU, the DC universe, whatever the hell we're calling it nowadays, uh, because Batgirl uh, is is now basically almost done. Right. It, they spent over 90 no, million it's, dollars it's on it. Oh, it's is it done? Done. done? Yeah. Okay. yeah, they, they, yeah they, they canned it. 90 million dollars and they're canning it as a tax write off. Uh, Ezra Miller has been running up a crime spree that it can you only see in GTA. Uh, and now they're maybe finally going to be talking about it, uh, about maybe we should do something about this movie. Maybe we should do something about the fact that our star is completely problematic and they're doing all this crazy shit. Uh, and the the real question right now is what is going to happen, right? What, what do you do? So I, w- I would love to see this because uh, Brian is is so in, you know, uh, in conversations with, with Warner Brothers, as we know. And Josh, you are a better studio executive than anyone that ever worked at Warner Brothers. <laughs> uh, I, I want to open up this topic. however. Uh, as we also know, I am a buffoon and an idiot. Hi, how are you? Uh, so uh, instead of hearing from me and a plan that we could use for the DCEU, I have a listener who uh, called in and left us a message with their plan uh, for the DCEU. So if you wouldn't uh, mind, uh, I will share our caller's uh, thoughts. Uh, Brian and Josh would love to get your thoughts on on this as well. Uh, and then we can open up to what you guys would do if you were in charge of Warner Brothers and time to save uh, DC. Yep, let's hear it. Hello, everybody. Name's Austin Winchester. I've been listening to this podcast for quite some time. Last night, CJ and I were talking over Twitter about how the DCEU is an absolute shambles and how they're throwing everything away. An idea that I have to hopefully use a little bit of what came before, pay homage to everything that came before, is a Batman Beyond TV show, live action on HBO Max. I think that we could get Michael Keaton to play Old Man Bruce training a new up-and-coming actor playing Terry McGinnis. Now, first few seasons, we'd get it up off the ground, establish the story, but in about five years, we would have a big event just like the CW shows do. Now, that big event brings in who else but the JLU. And who runs the JLU? Who's leading it? Henry Cavill as Superman. We get the gray hair on the side, supposed to be the same age as Bruce, it looks more like he's 40, 45. I think it's perfect. I think there's a lot that they can do with it. And of course, you know, I know that Brian is nonstop reaching out 
to DC, reaching out to Warner Brothers, now Discovery. I think this is something that we could do. Get Brian somewhere in that room, somewhere talking. Idea. Want to hear who you guys have to maybe play some other actors within this. Maybe some members of the JLU, some other main actors that'll play in the regular TV show. Want to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you so much. Do you want to go first, Josh, or should I? Uh, no, I, I, I'll go. I think it's, uh, I think it, it is a good idea. I think that, um, I think that Keaton's too old, um, at this point to, to play old man Bruce. Um, but I love the introduction of Henry Cavill. I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lofty plan thinking you're, you know, you'll get to five years and to bring in a, a big event. I think maybe probably two or three would be, um, more reasonable. Um, and also, provide a kick to the show that it's going to need by then. Um, yeah. Cavill, I'm on record saying Cavill should be Superman all the time. I don't understand why we would look anywhere else. Um, regarding other people in the JLU, I, you know, honestly, I, I I'd like, I'd like to see, um, Grant Gustin stay flash, uh, at this point, like they just haven't had any luck with anybody else playing flash. And beyond that, like, I don't really have um I don't have a huge like opinion. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is Green Lantern fine if they want to use Hal Jordan. Uh, otherwise, use whoever you want. I don't I don't have a preference and um you know, Supergirl, sure. Melissa Benoist fine. Um I like again, I I think it's a really easy way to infuse some of the good parts from um the CW shows. Uh, I think you can use most of them actually um, without really uh, being detrimental to what this project might be because it's going to start out as a series and you don't need um, crazy solid acting chops, Stephen Amell to, to be in a series, Um, (laughs) right? You can just, you can just be, you can just be good for the, for the role itself and and right. and be more of a you know a, a professional wrestling fan than than an actor, um and and you can be just fine. So like those are my fail this city. Yeah, I, I those are my thoughts. I don't. Um, this is I mean, this is a seriously pie in the sky um type idea. Could it work? Yeah, sure. Um, but I, I think I think it it might be rooted too much in logic to 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 be. <laughs> <laughs> to be something that gets actually greenlit. So right. like I like the idea. Um and I think that we can we can do a lot of cool stuff with it. Um, you know, just I mean, especially like the Batman Beyond animated is is cool. JLU's cool. Um there I mean the anything give me anything DC animated over anything Marvel animated all day. Um so like that's putting it in live action. In show format makes sense. Some of the casting choices fine, and I think there should be some some introduction of of up and comers, and I think you can do that with a series. And and again, I don't think you need Michael Keaton. Um, and and frankly, I think if you get Michael Keaton, this isn't a show that goes for multiple multiple years. Those are my thoughts. Okay, so I, I okay, I'm gonna be the guy. That's fine. I'll be the guy. I I don't care for the idea. I, I don't. I, I'm sorry, Austin. So Austin, first off, I I do appreciate how you know you point out how hard I'm working with Warner Brothers, but now that they got known with by Discovery, 
Um, I'm also trying to get uh, one of those HGTV stars to come in and, and redo my house. So it's <laughs> it's a give and take. Like, hey, can you do the bathroom? I'll give you some tips on Aquaman type of thing, you know? Um, but what I will say is I, I, I think to, to Josh's point, as pie in the sky scenario as it would be, we're too far gone. We've gone round the bend. It, this it, it doesn't work. And the fact of the matter is, this Batgirl movie is, was supposed to be exactly what you're suggesting. Instead of Terry McGinnis, though, we were going to have Barbara. It was going to be not a neo-futuristic Gotham, but Gotham set in the future. Older Batman taking Batgirl under his wing. This, that that was supposed. To, it was supposed to be a Batman Beyond storyline. We scrapped it. We scrapped it not for multiple reasons. Here's the thing about what's going on with Discovery Media and, and Warner Media right now. They're scrapping projects left and right. They're removing stuff from the streaming service. They're firing and laying off people. As with any big mergers, obviously layoffs happen. But they're doing, they're canceling all of these projects, no matter where they're at. Batgirl was done. It maybe needed another month in the editing room, but it was done. It was ready. They were at the test screening phase, which means we're going to test screen. We'll do another pass or two with edits. And then we'll release it. Um, they canceled it. They canceled it not be for multitude of reasons. They claim that the test screenings weren't going well. They claim that it wasn't good. And if that's really the reason that I'm fully behind that, I, I don't want you at DC at, at this point right now. I don't. You can't release trash. You just can't. With everything going on right now, your releases need to be at least decent, if not great. Right, you can't release a, a piece of trash film and, and just tarnish this this brand even more. Um, you also, the the other claim that they're making is we only are interested in doing DC on the big screen, which I say no, you, that's just BS. Certain characters streaming is fine. Disney has figured that out. As much as I loved Moon Knight, he's not a big screen movie. Nope, but he works perfectly in a six episode series. Yep. And we love yep. it. Miss Marvel, same thing. Even though she is going to show up, like you introduce some of these characters. Moon Knight's going to show up on the big screen, but you've gone, you've done his like story already, right? Same thing with Miss Marvel. There are certain characters that like you, you just can't, you can't do on a, in a big screen. So I, I think that's a BS reason, and I don't think uh, they're thinking it through. I do think that they're doing it for a tax write off, and that's really the main reason. At the end of the day, is what's happening is, and the the thing that really sold it to me is the fact that they're removing things from streaming things that are actually popular. They're removing from HBO max things that have a following and they're removing them for a tax write off to claim that we, we took a loss on these things this year. They're removing them so they don't have to pay loyalties to any actors or creators uh, because they're trying to cut costs. They're trying to save like 3 billion before the end of the quarter or something ridiculous like that. And layoffs just won't get cut it. So they need to cut projects. You will never see this Batgirl movie. Not not unless someone leaks it somewhere and you see it at a bootleg table at a Comic-Con. This movie is never happening. So whatever whoever is, wants to start the release Batgirl movement, him and whatever bots that they have behind them, <laughs> it, it's not it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because the whole reason – and it, it, if it were for quality, there, was, there would be a chance, right? If it were this movie just sucks that bad, maybe in five years – We'd be like, oh, let's just drop it on streaming. We have it. It's done. Let's just drop it, right? But because it's for tax write-offs, they can never release it. And you'll never see this film. And it sucks because, you know what? I wasn't on fire for this film, but 
I, I, I was interested. I was interested. You know what got me super excited? Not just Michael Keaton as, as older Batman taking a, you know, a, a Leslie Grace Batgirl under his wing. I was excited to see Brendan Fraser doing something other than being a voice on Doom Patrol again. Like, like that's he just did a he just did a movie. Two I years didn't ago. see said movie. It was not very good. And I heard it the was the Sodenberg movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched no no sudden moves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, like there were things that excited <coughs> me about this project. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we're never going to see it. As far as what what we should do and why I don't like, I don't like the the pitch, Austin. Um, I don't like the pitch for for multiple reasons. Uh, I don't think you can do anything that's going to honor what came before and still forge a path forward. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think there's too much shit that has happened. Really. When we think about the DCEU in general, and I'm removing the Batman, I'm removing the Joker. I'm just looking at Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. You have a decent Superman film, a less than decent Superman Batman film. You have a crap Justice League film, not once but twice. Right. You have an okay Aquaman film. You have a good Wonder Woman film. And then a shit Wonder Woman film. There's just too much crap weighing this property down right now. The only way to move forward is a hard reset. And I don't care. I want Henry Cavill. Keep Henry Cavill. You don't need to explain it. We don't need to. We don't like asking them to explain it is is, is too much right now. Because then that that includes time resets and multiverses. They're not there yet. I don't need an explanation. Just release a good fucking movie. Release a good Superman film. Release a good Batman film. Release the, that that will take place in this DCEU. We have a good the Batman film. If you want to use that, great. Use that as your springboard and then, you know, filter in the rest of the DCEU. The Batman 2 has not been greenlit yet. So maybe, maybe that is something we do. Maybe Robert Pattinson is our new. But then again, you know, Ben Affleck is in Aquaman too. So who the hell knows? Like, there's all of this because of the way they've run their universe so far. There's all this mishmash, mishmash, fix 16 different people currently playing Batman. Not just, oh, we had these Batmans in the past. There are Michael Keaton is currently playing Batman in two films, one of which has been scrapped. Uh, Robert Pattinson is currently being Batman. Ben Affleck is currently being Batman. So, like, which Batman do you choose? I don't, I don't know, right? Like, it's it's just, it's such a mess. You can only do a hard reset and move forward. And as much as I love the actors, like, if that includes recasting, I'm okay with it. Gal Gadot will always be Wonder Woman because she did a really great Wonder Woman movie. That's not going anywhere. Um, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I would love I just continue and use the same actors. I don't care. Do a hard reset. Most people will be on board, but I don't think there's any saving this. The all and, and the whole jail you thing sounds promising. Sounds great. A, you don't get Michael Keaton for a TV show. You definitely don't get him for three to five years. That's just not going to happen. Isn't he currently doing a TV show right now? No, he did. No. Dope. He, he, did he did dope sick. He did dope sick. He did, well, what was that? A few episodes on Hulu. Was that even a series or was that a movie? It was, it was a limited series. Yeah. Okay. So like you get him for, you get him for a limited series. That's the thing, right? You get Michael Keaton. They're not going to tie him down to a two or you're not, three. You're not getting him for multi years. Okay. Not unless you're ready to back up the money truck. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's too good and he doesn't need to do this shit anymore. Like 
he's Michael Keaton. Like he he's done plenty. Like and and he he's he's got a a bona fide credits. He can do whatever projects he wants to do, right? But like you don't you're not going to be able to strap him down. You may get him for the first season of a Batman Beyond show, and then you need to figure out what does this look like without Old Man Bruce, and then that kind of defeats the purpose of that kind of setup. So no, I I don't think that's that's just being practical. And I'm just telling you guys what Warner Brothers is going to tell me when I present this option. <laughs> right. When they have the, they have the um, So we, the, the I, first I was, thing is they oh. don't have the money. You don't get Michael right. Keaton strapped down for multiple years. And they're looking at a hard reset and just literally we're just going to mimic what Marvel does. And they put out that we're going to do a 10-year plan, which is great, which means by 2033, I'll have a decent set of DC films. After the past seven years of me begging for decent DC films. Um, so, yeah, uh, they, they seem pretty set on what their path is going to be. And it, that does not include the DCEU. They're still looking for their Kevin Feige. And my, my, I mean, listen, my phone, my phone line is open. How, I say, how far into the interview process are you're you? You're more than welcome to call me WB Discovery. Like, I'm more than happy. But dollars for donuts, I tell you. Tap Bruce Tim on the shoulder and tell him to head up your universe and and get him to be your Kevin Feige producer. And that's the only way this is going to work. You need a guy who understands that universe. All the shit that you love about the animated stuff, all the animated films you love, JLU, Batman the Animated Series, it's because of Bruce Tim. Tap that guy on the shoulder and just say, we need you to do the same thing, but in live action, please. Now that DC has, so they, they actually came out on an earnings call and announced this 10-year plan, right? They, they announced the Marvelification, essentially, of of DC. Um, watching a lot of videos of people who, again, who are smarter than me, uh, people who have some really good ideas of like, hey, here's like what here's what I would do if you just gave me a, you know th- this thing to be in charge, which is, you know, stay focused on, on an important storyline that you know you can do throughout. We are having fun as fans, right? accepting these side projects, the Joker movie, the Batman movie, these one-off things. So you can do that. But just like uh, Universal did with the the Dark Universe, I know, bad example, but hear me out. They put the logo up saying, this is something, you know, this is this is one thing, this is a whole new thing. You just do that for DCEU. This is DCEU, right? And then you can do other world or other story or whatever the DC term is. Yeah, I wouldn't even it. do it. I wouldn't even do it DCEU. I would just say, here's, here's DC proper. And then when this... Right. The Joker comes out. You, Joker you musical it, you comes out. You call it an Elseworlds project. There's right, that's, precedent that's I mean. for that I in the comic books, right? I need something as a viewer to tell me this is canon. This is fun. This is canon. This is fun, right? And 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 just do that, right? And then I think that the final thing that they need to do is prioritize one character that is kind of like the linchpin to kind of help ebb and flow us through this story. And a lot of people are throwing up either Green Lantern or Superman, right? Kind of. You can't these do super driving the ship. And, 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 That's and, fine. And 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 the thing is, like, the Green Lantern would be great. Green Lantern would be good, right? Like, what you're describing is exactly what Marvel did, which is essentially like Iron Man is your is your for, your follow through, right? You can't do the big three. The reason behind you can't do the big three is we we already know those big three that we we're already invested in them. And quite frankly, if you if you squint at Superman a little bit too long, he starts to become a very boring character. As much as I I love the character, and I do think there's potential for him across multiple movies he he's 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 a god like you can't what yeah. what do and you do the the thing that made tony stark interesting and that that through line interesting 
is because it was all playing on his fear of what he saw in old, old Age of Ultron specifically coming to fruition. Right. And everything he did from that point on was to prevent it, in fact, making it happen, essentially. Um, and, you know, you can't do anything so like that with Superman. That. You can't do anything like right. that with a character who is not phased by much, right? right. Um, you can do it with Batman, but let's face it. We all know Batman. We know multiple versions of Batman. You want to keep this interesting, you pick a new character. You do Green Lantern or or Martian Manhunter and do it as a fish out of water, new person to this planet type of story. And here's how what he's learning throughout his time here on Earth with the Justice League, with these superpowered beings. I think that would be a perfectly fine way to go, too. You do your side project crap. You do your Oscar contender bolt BS that I freaking hate. And you go ahead and you slap an Elseworlds sticker on it. And that is something that does not take place in the DC universe. And you just move forward that way. Um, you know, I'd be fine with that, you know? So again, Warner brothers has a lot to, to do. They have a lot to consider. They have a lot to, to, to go on. I, I, while again, we, 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 we talk about here, here's what I would do at the end of the day. And we've talked about this multiple times. Don't let the fans run this show, right? Cause if you're just going to give the fans control of this and the fans dictate this, it's too many people, too many head cannons coming into play. Right. Nail this shit down and make it facts. So that way head cannon stops being the thing driving the ship, actual cannon and a plan driving the ship. Well, that's uh, really you know, what the, that's the real important. That's part. really what DC has against them that Marvel never did. Right. Because. No one knew who Iron Man was until the Iron Man movie came out. And so Marvel got to play with a lot of pieces that did not have a huge uproar of, oh, well, I'm a fan and I think this, blah, 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 right? But like... Yeah, who knew I would care about Hawkeye? Right. <laughs> like, who knew I would give two shits about Hawkeye? But, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, like, everybody knows them. Doesn't matter how deep in the fandom you you went. Uh, those were, if I were to walk up to the street in 1992 and say, name five superheroes, they would name Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, probably Spider-Man, and maybe one mystery, like Wolverine or something like that. And that would be it, right? Um, so you got a lot of people who have a, a version of that character in their head. A lot of people who watch the cartoon who like that version. Some people like the Gal Gadot version. Some people grew up reading the comic book and the 16 different versions of her that came from there. And, and so like that, that's, that is what DC is fighting. And, and to your point, right? Like, and I said this when we were talking about the Snyder cut years ago, a year ago or whenever the heck it was, stop letting fans tell you what to do and just do the thing. Just do the thing. Yep. And and you know what? That's what Marvel does. Marvel gets shit all the time. They're already getting crap about She-Hulk. They're already they got a whole bunch of crap about Miss Marvel. And like they 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 stay the they're like we don't care. Like, we're we going have, on with we what we've got. Plan. We've got a plan. This is what's like either you're on you're in for the ride or not. If you're not in for the ride, guess what? There are 18 other Marvel projects coming out this year that you're gonna be able to enjoy. This white one might not be the one for you. DC, you gotta do the same thing. Um, All right, and that'll that's be it. I, I'm 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 putting a pin. I'm putting a pin. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna say we're done too. Yeah, I'm putting a pin right here, uh, and I'm going to say um, I forgot for a second. Josh was hosting. I'm not gonna. Lie. Brian, I'm I'm awarding you. Uh, I'm awarding you a point for uh, certain characters um, being big screen worthy, and certain characters not being big screen worthy. I've said that a million times. Right. I'm giving you uh, four points. For being realistic, 
And I'm giving you three points for making complete sense to me. All right. Um, hey, all right. Austin, I'm, I'm giving up. you five points for the topic. Um, I guess I'll put those in CJ's column. Um, CJ, you get seven points for arranging Austin's idea and sharing. And then negative seven points for having no original ideas whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, nope. right, I accept that. No, no, no. It's fair. That's 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 that fair. is one thousand percent fair. I know who I am. Just in and and just in this particular, you 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 regurgitated three things that you you heard online, and I went, well, that's not his original <laughs> thought. That's not anything at all. Um. So Brian, we can move on to your topic, or we can uh, launch into mine. Um, I'll, I'll go. Cause I think, you know, even though I didn't give you any, any prep time on this, I think both of you will within a few seconds have some, some things to discuss. So I was, um, sitting on the couch, me, Max and Cassandra, and we were like, well, you know, we got some time. Do you want to watch something? Don't really have a ton of time to watch anything, but House of Dragon comes out this weekend, right? As we're recording, actually, it comes out tonight. It drops tonight. And I'm sure we're all going to watch it. I know I am. CJ is not I'm going not. to because CJ things. Josh, are you going to be watching House of Dragon? Yeah, I don't know if I'll if I'll watch it week to week, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah, definitely check I'll, it out. I'll right? watch it once it's done and everyone tells me it's not the final season of Game of Thrones. Ah, I see. Um, well, speaking of the final season of Game of Thrones. So since it was dropping uh, this weekend, we decided, you know what? Let's just put on an episode. And one of the and you know what? We give that last season a lot of shit. I I don't, for the record. I I do. I give. Yes. A, I I more particularly give the last three episodes a lot of shit because mm-hmm. I think the Long Night, which is the third episode of season eight, is probably one of the best episodes of television I have ever seen. Uh, that is the episode where they're defending Winterfell from the White Walkers, yeah. and it's just the culmination of seven years. You have everybody you care about on one screen, all fighting together, all for a singular. And it's just so. Winterfell or the wall? Um, Winterfell. Winterfell. This is the one where you can't see it. That's right. Why it's the, called the, the one Long Night. drawback to this episode is that it is dark. I usually brighten up the TV just a little bit, but it's it's still. I remember when I watched that live and, and, and my wife and I being on the edge of our seat, like because it's the last season. Anybody can die. Right. And you had some fake outs and you had some moments and just that that ending when the thing happens, just legitimately. Uh, there's no spoil. You can the statute of limitations on way Game of Thrones. Past. Just spit it out. Say what you're going to say. The end when Arya pops up from behind and, and, and kills the Night King, right? Yep. Literally leaping off the couch and, and yep. applauding. The yep. first time I've ever done that. Like, it's one of the best episodes of television I could think of. And that got me thinking. What are some other best episodes of television that you guys can think of? If you were to say, this is some of the best television I have ever seen. Not oh. a moment, an episode. And I'll give yep. you a couple of mine just to give you an idea, right? Um, slap bet. And How I Met Your Mother is probably one of the funniest things in television I've ever seen. Um, because it, it's, it's, and, and it's also, again, one of those things that like kind of pre- continues throughout the show, right? That like you get to kind of harken back to and really kind of define the show moving forward. When they start the slap bet or like the one where you like they end the slap no, bet? No, when they start the slap bet in the first, yeah, in the third yeah. season. I, I, I thought, I thought Slapsgiving was better than. 
The first the one. The first yeah. one. Slapsgiving. Okay. I'll give you that too. Slapsgiving is really good as well. Um, I think it's called Slap It. So while you're looking that up, I'm going to say the first thing that popped into my head was My Half Acre from Scrubs. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is in terms episode. of in terms of like comedy, um, mm-hmm. being amazing comedy, um, that is when Mandy Moore comes in. That is the Air Band episode. Um, really, really, really fantastic comedy. I I actually I agree with you, but I would my Scrubs episode that I was going to say was. Uh, my screw up, which is the episode where Ben dies. Yeah. See, I no that no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's sorry. a great episode. It's a great episode of TV. We all we all get one Scrubs episode, and then we'll do another show, right? Because I have a Scrubs episode also, but I also have another show. What's what's your Scrubs? Go ahead, episode? Ben. T- t- tell me about my screw up. I'm oh my 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 you, you know hit, hit yours. Tell, make your case for. Well, my I mean, screw my up. screw up again. It's one of those episodes where, um, you really get an understanding of of what makes Dr. Cox tick. And like you, you, you watch this one relationship, the only relationship that he puts any stock in fall apart and how he reacts to that through JD and, and uh, I'm sorry, through Dr. Cox's, like, I believe that episode is told from Dr. Cox's point of view. And yeah. that last shot of him thinking he's going to the birthday party. It's so gut wrenching. <laughs> I, I tear up every single time. I know it's coming. But I still tear up every single time. And then it's also one of those episodes that you can rewatch and you're like, how did I not see this? How did I not know that Ben was dead during this entire, from this moment on, the clues were all there. Um, very well done episode of television. Mine, my Scrubs episode is uh, My Lunch. It is the episode in which uh, they are treating multiple patients with organ failure. They're looking for a donor. They find Miss Tracy who is a recurring character. She unfortunately gets sick and dies. And they're like, oh my gosh, we have the organs. Find out that she died of rabies. And like, what are the odds? You don't test for this. And unfortunately, is an unraveling of Dr. Cox because he he is emotionally invested in one of the patients. And um, he's going as hard as he can to get that organ for that patient who necessarily didn't need it right away, but it's here. So he, he really pushed to get it. And it's a moment where there's a lot of funny and humor stuff that happens in the beginning, but at the end of it, right before everything starts going down and that patient dies, JD gets lunch for Dr. Cox. And it's a change in their relationship where the mentor is breaking down for a moment and, and JD is building him up and telling him that, you know, things are going to be okay and we're going to have this lunch and we're going to move forward. And that's when he gets the call that his, you know, favorite patient at this point is going to die. And watching not only uh, uh, John C. McGinley's performance, but watching their dynamic, which it, it gets played with a whole bunch, shift and change in that moment um, is is really powerful. And not suck up points, Josh. This reminds me of a little bit of our relationship that we had professionally at one point where we get to sit down and flip the tables or take some advice or flip things around. Uh, and it takes me back to those moments. No suck up points, really not trying to. Uh, but it, it, it takes me to those moments. And then knowing that at some point it's been done to me. Um, it, it is, though, uh, an incredible performance in John C. McGinley's commentary on the episode, by the way, where he talks about how he thought about uh, going through that scene. Uh, also, this heartbreaking with his um, with his child and, and what he went through that needs to channel that. It's just very. Moving oh, you episode. watched so the my commentary. lunch is my scripts episode. Oh, I watched the commentary, too. I, oh, I you know not. it. I'll give you guys two more outside of the comedy field. And then if you guys have any more, you know, I, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take it before Josh takes it because I have a feeling that he did. And it was ironically enough in our group chat right before we came on to record, which is the West Wings Let Bartlett Be Bartlett yeah, episode. I'd hear West Wing. Yeah. 
uh, it, I, I mean, this is a, a group of people who want to make changes in the world, who want to, to do something, who want just the, the ability to say, yes, go for it and get told all day. You're not really doing this for real. Nothing's really happening. Nope, nope, nope. And they're even they're fighting for it, even though they know it's dead in the water. And at the end, there's a confrontation between the, the chief of staff and, and the president saying, you're you're the person holding me back, Mr. President. I'll mobilize every person that works for you. If you finally give me the go ahead and it's the last two minutes that this whole episode, you're like, these guys are beaten down. And the last two, three minutes of it are the most energizing thing you've ever seen out of that entire series. And uh, let Bartlett be Bartlett stands as one of the best West Wing episodes. I will. Um, I'll share. Uh, do you guys watch House at all or have you seen? Of House? Course, yeah. of course. OK, so the season finale is season one. It's called Three Stories is one of my favorite episodes of House. It's the episode where he begrudgingly teaches a diagnostics class and he gives them three scenarios, all have the same problem, but all are different scenarios, different people, different origins of what might happen. And, you know, he's pushing the team to diagnose this person. Is this person just looking for drugs or what happened here? This person is hiding something and like he's pushing the class to really think outside the box. And what I love about that episode is not just all the way through this first season, you have this doctor who hates the world, who's got this chip on his shoulder. He's got this limp. No one really knows why. Um, when I say no one, I mean like the audience. As the audience, you really don't know why. You're just kind of accepting it, right? And they give little little asides here and there. And this is the episode where you find out what happened to him and why he has this chip on his shoulder. And it kind of gives you the idea of, of what makes this guy, this genius, tick and why he does the things he does. But what I love about that episode is about halfway through, they reveal, oh, this this is his story. This is a story about how his leg got messed up. And <laughs> it starts off with his best friend Wilson being in there and, and listening to the class. And then, like, after each commercial break, more and more people are just showing up. Then it's his diagnostics team. Then it's his boss. Then it's like the whole hospital is there listening to this story and listening to him and, and interacting with this class. And it's one of those moments that is just like how engaging this guy is and why, and you understand why people let him get away with murder in that moment because of the, just the, the respect this guy demands just by doing what he does and doing his job really well. I love that episode of house. Yeah. I love the moment too where Cameron's just like, Oh my God. It's yeah. Like when, when they had the realization that it's him and they change him in the story. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely good episode of the house. Um, the other one I'll give you is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which there's plenty of stuff to talk about with Buffy, but there's one episode called The Body, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this uh, show at all. Um, it's in season five, and what's really interesting about this episode is you spend five seasons with Buffy. Her entire shtick is: I fight vampires, I fight the supernatural, I slay demons. Like that's her thing, right? Right. And then her mom dies. And it's nothing supernatural at all. It's just cancer. And she finds the body. And that's why the episode's called The Body. And the, the most interesting thing about this episode is not just the story or anything or, or the performances. It's the way it's done. There is no music in this episode at all. From the moment she discovers the body, there's no background music setting the tone or anything. You just kind of have to sit there with it, just like the characters are kind of sitting there with it. Not knowing how to feel, not knowing what to do. It's a really interesting way to tell a story, and I love that episode. Um, all right, I'm going to let you two share any more you guys have, and, and Josh, you can wrap it up from there. 
Uh, yeah, let me let me get a couple in there. I so obviously I also have uh, West Wing episodes, um, but I'll just give you one. It's the um, no, I'm not. I'm gonna give you two. Um, the season two finale. It's called the Two Cathedrals or Two Cathedrals. Oh, that's a great one, which is yeah, unbelievably good and launches into um launches right into obviously Bartlett's uh, reelection campaign uh, at the begin of uh, beginning of season three. And um, the season four premiere was a two-parter called 20 Hours in America that was unbelievably good. And, like, Laura still uses, um, like, over my my, my outrage regarding um, time zones. And <laughs> she still uses yep. Josh and Toby's freak out. Uh, <laughs> what kind of society are we living in? Right, right, <laughs> just right. Beating right. shit around. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So those those two West Wing episodes, um, it's really hard for me to narrow down um, like some of the most meaningful Doctor Who episodes. So I'm going to leave kind of the meaning out of it um, and say that two of my favorite episodes are um, – when a good man goes to war and the Pandora opens, they're absolutely quintessential Matt Smith without any of the um, kind of the regret towards the end of of his time. Um, I'll, I'll I'll give you a, a little tenant love there and, and tell you that anytime I want to introduce someone to Doctor Who, I show them Blink because it's probably yeah. some of the easiest way to digest that show. And it's a great episode of television as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, hundred percent. I agree. And then um, TV episodes that I absolutely could not live without. Um, I think Pine Barrens, The Sopranos um, episode was fantastic. I think that was um, the first, like, or one of the first Michael Imperioli episodes. Surprised I haven't heard any of the Wire from you yet. Well, the pro- the problem is. Man, I, I mean episodes for that. It's it's a whole. I dare you. I, I dare you to nail down an episode. Season one through five. Of other wire. other like <laughs> yeah. The, you can yeah, yeah. You cannot. I think you, you can, can either go the, the yes. Scene, I've never right? seen you. You can either you can you can either go episodes or 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 like CJ said scenes. There's an entire scene with Bunk and and uh, Bunk is his name, um, and McNulty saying fuck, and that's all they say. Through the entire, it's like it's like a minute and a half. They two solve minutes. a murder just by saying "fuck" for three and, minutes, and it's, it's fantastic. It, it, any variation you can think of of the word "fuck," they've said it. Any different, like it's it's a it's an acting class. It's ridiculously good. There's a yes. um, there's another scene where they uh, sort of Stringer and um, and Joe form this kind of coalition. And the end of this, their their first meeting, Stringer walks up to like his his uh, his one of his lieutenants is like, "Are you actually taking fucking notes on a criminal conspiracy?" Like it was just because the guy he's like, "Well, no, parliamentary rule said I have to take minutes." And and Stringer's like, "Fucking criminal conspiracy! You can't take notes." <laughs> Shit like that is what I think about when I think about the wire. Um, yeah. There is uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched um, Elementary. Uh, with Johnny Lee Miller. And I've Lucy seen a couple Blue. episodes here and there. I never watched uh, it. Religiously. I highly, highly recommend watching this show. I It got me like very quickly and very, um, it's, it was odd how emotionally involved I got with this show and, and quickly. And uh, the, the uh, episode 
The problem is, like, I can't just introduce an episode without, like, giving you a, a million different, um, like, spoilers. So probably um, the one that got away is, like, season three, episode 12-ish. Um, really, fan- really fantastic episode. Um, I recommend that. But I recommend watching that show just in general. So there's I, there's my pieces. CJ, I what thought do you of have? One more. Just one more, super quick. Uh, Jurassic Bark from Futurama. Oh, it is yeah. the episode about uh, Seymour the dog. Uh, I did not know that a show like that would make me cry as much as I did watching that episode. Um, I love it for so many different reasons, but Futurama has a really good episode. Futurama Jurassic has Bark. several really good episodes. Uh, Idle Hands or the <laughs> Devil's Playthings is also one of my favorite episodes as well. Um. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I mean, we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff, but I, I thought, you know, while I was watching that episode last night, like, oh, there's there's a ton of really good television. And you know what's funny? It's not all it, what I found, what I'm finding funny. Not all of it's from like HBO, Showtime. Not, like, it doesn't have to be like a paid platform. Like, there was plenty of just regular NBC cable network shows that we mentioned that have some of the greatest episodes ever. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty more. So honestly, I'll wrap my topic, Josh. Just uh, I'll, I'll do you the favor here and I'll say, to the list of nerds or to Austin, if he wants to call in and, and be angry about my decision to not like his pitch, but also share with us what are some of the greatest episodes of television you have ever seen? Um, might me even make, get me to watch the show and why is it the greatest episode of television? So I'm looking forward to hearing those. Fantastic. Um, I award you both four points for um, excellent <laughs> conversation during this topic. I am not awarding any um any points or taking any away from your uh very personal opinions regarding these shows that moved <laughs> you they are yours and i will not be judging that uh, my topic is uh i think something that i hope i can uh do sort of frequently when i you know when i when i if you listen to Brian, when I uh, steal a win because of CJ's poor judgment, um, <laughs> when I host, um, and we can we can we can play a game called Change My Mind. And here is oh, this, 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 I've already here's lost. How, here's how <laughs> it's going to work. The immovable object here. Yeah, let's see what we. I got. am going to make a statement. Um, I am going to assign one of you to defend that statement, and the other one to rebut oh this is this is this is something i had set up for for you guys when i host i i have something oh, to this, well, great okay, minds right. and whatnot so change my mind okay the phantom menace is better than episodes seven eight and nine brian defend defend your opinion <laughs> defend my opinion I, I i don't have to i believe the same thing they're great <laughs> um the Phantom Menace alone, or are we talking just a prequel trilogy in general? Nope. The Phantom Menace is better. Episode okay. one is better than seven, eight, and nine. So, I mean, it's really easy to kind of break down why The Phantom Menace is better. And, and it all comes down to the the prequels in general, but starting with this film, allowed you to still pay homage to what was about to come and introduce a young Obi-Wan and things like that, but also do so many new things. Um, you know... I know, Josh, when you say this, you're you're probably not thinking this route, but let's face it. The reason we have Marvel films the way we have them today and the way they're filmed today is because of what George Lucas did with The Phantom Menace. He did a lot of new things with special effects and technology and green screens 
that absolutely, whether you like those movies or not, completely changed filmmaking for the foreseeable future for a very long time. And we're still feeling those effects today. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, there are so many more likable characters. If I'm going to compare them to episodes seven, eight, and nine, I mean, our affection for the char- for the new characters introduced are is very like, it's very much based on the moment, right? Oh, Ray had a great moment. Poe had a great moment. I really rarely have heard anybody say, oh, this is my favorite character. Unless you are of the age group that this may be your first experience of Star Wars. I really don't hear a lot with the exception of Ray, which is probably the strongest character in those sequel trilogies. Um, I rarely hear anybody say, I like the movies because of this. A lot of them is, I like those movies because Han Solo came back. I like those movies because Luke Skywalker came back. And then we hear another three-hour complaint about how Disney screwed up that character anyway. So did, did you really like it? Phantom Menace allowed us to have a young uh, a young Obi-Wan who, in my in my opinion, uh, whether you agree with it or not, Ewan McGregor is is Obi-Wan, right? Even yep. more than Alec, Alec Guinness was. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. He defined that role. He is amazing in that role. And you get to watch him and kind of him build that character from the ground up. But really, like, the one of the main draws for that film is Qui-Gon Jinn. Liam Neeson mm-hmm. expertly... Like once again, because he'll do it again in Batman Begins, right? Creating this uh, mentor character that you just really love, and you really can get behind this character to the point where we're still utilizing him. We we have him in the sequel trilogy. He shows up in Obi Wan. You know, it's it's he's one of those in in such a short amount of time how he can b- build a character that lasts forever is is amazing, right? Um, you also get this entire new world, new uh, scenery. Naboo is a completely different planet than we've ever seen. The Gungans, as much as we hate Jar Jar Banks, the Gungans are unlike anything we've ever seen. Uh, there are, And out of all the prequel trilogies, this is the one that has the least to do with trade disputes and, and more to do with like uh, a Star War, right? Um, and it's, it's truly really good. And, and you know what? There are things to not like about it. There are things to not like about almost any movie, but there's way more to like about this film. And not to mention that you get one of the greatest villains in Star Wars history outside of Darth Vader, so much so they had to bring him back because that's how good Darth Maul is. And that's how menacing he looks. And that's how awesome his you know form of lightsaber battle is. I still play Duel of Fates, also one of the most iconic songs outside of the Star Wars theme, showed up and started in Phantom Menace. I still play that song every once in a while, and I just get hyped up. And those last 20 minutes are some of the greatest science fiction uh, battles, space battles, and lightsaber battles you'll get in that series. I am fully on, on the on the plane that Phantom Menace is definitely an un- undersold film in the Star Wars franchise. I, I think it's perfectly fine. I think a few tweaks makes it even a, a great film. Uh, whereas with the sequel trilogies, I can't say that. I can't say, oh, a few tweaks here and there and it's a better film because you have to redo that thing from the ground up for a lot. Of okay. It. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to impose going forward. I'm going to impose a, a time limit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to impose a 60 second, um, 60 second oh. defense of my, Opinion 
with okay. a 45 second opposition. Okay. okay How so long did see, I ramble on for? I, I don't know, but it was it was at least four minutes. Okay. Yes. But that's fine. Uh, I, I can I can accept that. All right. Uh, so for, first, a rebuttal uh, as to uh, the reason that the Phantom Menace is is not great. So you may start the clock. Uh, Star Wars has made the Force as a mythical energy field, a source of mysterious superhuman powers. And uh, on episode one, we immediately strike that down from the original trilogy and say, no, it's little microscopic organisms called midichlorians. And people are born with these midichlorians. And that's what makes your space magic. No, keep it space magic. Midichlorians could be found in uh, drinking water. It, it removes some of the mystique of what makes the the, the force actually powerful. Uh, Brian, I agree with you. Darth Maul is fantastic. He's in it for a whole four and a half minutes in this movie. It is not enough Darth Maul, so much so that they said, oh, we so screwed up. We have to go ahead and retcon it and bring him back and do it through animated series and never see him in another live action movie ever again. So we, we, we like this guy so much that we immediately killed him and did a terrible job figuring it out. Uh, also, it is the only Star Wars movie or any movie that I've ever seen where Samuel L. Jackson is boring. <laughs> <laughs> He's on C-SPAN, for Christ's sake. He is boring. I've never wanted to see uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, be as bland as he is in his Capital One commercials. But yet here he is in Star Wars Episode One doing that. All right. The the new movies are not as bad as Episode One because, number one, we're handing off the franchise, right? We're, we're, we're ending some of these stories. And finally, we're wrapping up a lot of this Skywalker family bullshit and trying to get onto other people's stories that are not tangentially collated and finally ending this tale that's gone on for way too long. Plus, I mean, if we want to talk about some of the CGI and fight scenes, you've got some really good stuff here, and no one cheered as hard as they did, even with the Darth Maul dual lightsaber, when Finn and Rey picked up the saber for the first time ever and got to see a brand new person using a lightsaber in unique ways. Plus, you got to see Han and Chewie and everything that goes on with those characters finally giving them a resolution to their story and the beauty that happens between Ben and, and Han Solo at the end when he finally accepts his fate and when uh, uh, Ben finally turns himself back to them. They, uh, they were applauding uh, because picking up the lightsaber was the very first action that was uh, present in the movie. And people weren't <laughs> applauding Darth Maul there because were they were nope, all over the place because they were awestruck. Um, oh, that's very true. Again, Darth Maul, fantastic, and you killed him off immediately Fine. and never brought him back in the main You uh, did not change my opinion, although you had some decent points. Um, I would um, like to rebut the one point that you made about, oh, we're finally ending the Skywalker saga. They didn't. They didn't. Bullshit. They, in fact, walked that back so hard in Episode Nine. they had Rey change her name to Skywalker. I have a feeling we're never going to see her. Uh, I think we'll see Rey again. again. If we see a movie again. I think we'll again. see Rey. But she's not an actual Skywalker. We're, we're, we're done the with the, the actual the, family the Skywalker. The problem is that, again, I've said this before. I want to be done with that. I want to be done with right. them. And, we, we're, and we, we're, we're not. We're not. She. Well, you know what? Episode one was just a continuation of that story again. It was a pre-edition. Sure. After we did three movies of them? We did another what three? What are you talking about, episode one? We did another three, and we didn't do anything sure. about... Listen, Four, we, five, and six. We followed, the original trilogy. Listen. That move, those three films are not. I don't. I don't look at them and see. It's how I met your mother in Star not Wars. Anakin, they're not Anakin's films. They're Obi Wan's. Those are Obi Wan's films. And yes, it, it's pitched as you get to see the downfall of Anakin. 
I know. Yeah, you got it, Max. I know. You, you're, you're right on the money. You see it through Obi-Wan's eyes. The story is told through Obi-Wan. It's not told through Anakin. And you see the 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 the, the major point of episode three is not, oh, Anakin turned to the dark side. It's Obi-Wan failed. All right. Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, Brian. Br- also, I have no problem with episode one. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Brian. Br- no, I, <laughs> this that's, is tough. No, that's, why, that's why I like this. Uh, that's why I like this game. You, Brian you clearly weren't my, in debate club. <laughs> Brian defended my opinion no. well and earns one point. Huzzah. Um, <laughs> change my mind. Oh, we're doing another oh, one. Oh, we're doing three. Oh, okay. oh, I have, oh okay. I have five. We'll do three. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, CJ, defend my opinion that any Hobbit movie is better than every Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> CJ's like, I can't defend that opinion. <laughs> I don't know I can defend that opinion. We're talking Peter Jackson's films, right? Any right. Hobbit movie is better than every Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, well, first off, Benjamin Slappy back uh, just just elevates any movie that 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 you're ever in when it comes to that. I also think this when you look at The Hobbit, right, everyone rags on the fact that it was one book put into three movies. But if you look at the Lord of the Rings movies, you're condensing so much of the mythology and so much of the story and the relationships that happen into these quick hit three movies that you don't really get the sense of scale. Right. And it, they're separated by so much time apart, right, from when they were released, that if you don't watch some kind of uh, refresher or have to do that, you forget about these relationships. And in The Hobbit, they were done, put together so so quickly that those relationships really stayed fresh. And they were able to use the actual, you know, enhancements of technology to make the movie actually look better, perform better. That's how, you know, Smaug actually looks more realistic with it. And you really get the sense of scale as to what is going on in the journey that you get with the Hobbit. So you get all these beautiful shots in Lord of the Rings, but you don't know where you are, right? Physically, you just don't know where you're located. And the Hobbit really puts that all together. And if we're talking about prequels being better than than all of that, getting the ring, right? And and seeing what this is going to do and knowing that there's going to be this transformation at the end of these movies, uh, I think hits a little bit better than just what Frodo goes through. Fantastic. Brian, uh, opposition, 45 seconds. Um, all right. So when it comes to The Hobbit, The Hobbit is a wonderful story, but it's not told in the correct way. Uh, the Desolation of Smaug, and, and I don't even remember the last the, the name of the last one, Battle of Five Armies, is primarily told through you know the door's perspective and that's not why we're here we're here for uh bilbo and yeah i love benedict slappy batch as much as anybody but he is he is not enough to carry that film through quite frankly the last half of the second film and the first half of the third film is extremely long drawn out and boring and when we talk about in comparison to the books that entire battle takes place while bilbo is knocked out and it's supposed to be that way and the fact is we're not supposed to know what goes on in that battle because we're supposed to see it from a, a, a place of cowardice like Bilbo. I don't think Bilbo has any sort of character change throughout those films. Whereas in the Lord of the Rings films, if we're just going to, first off, it's filled with amazing characters. You're not just focused on the one hobbits, right? You're focused on not just Frodo, Sam, and, and, and Merry and Pippin, but you're also focused on a whole bunch of other characters. And they all have their own amazing journeys. Yes, this yes um most of the characters don't like legolas interacts with yeah. frodo for like four lines right 
I don't. I, but the point is not if they interact with Frodo. It's what is their journey. Legolas yeah, starts off as a racist elf who becomes more accepted. That doesn't. People. That doesn't. That doesn't change my opinion at all. Um, I don't. Well, only forty five seconds to change uh, the, that the immovable object <laughs> that as that Josh immovable, Burns. That's it's not. Well, look, idea. that's why it's a game, and to, I'm the host, and fair, it can be whatever you you uh, want it to be when you're the host. To be fair, um, uh, I've last... never seen the five. <laughs> I didn't watch the third episode yeah, at okay. all. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's I, I I tuned out. I I almost left the decimation of Smaug in the theaters. I I, I checked out. Uh, Brian, Brian, defend my opinion. Okay, CJ, try to change my mind. That Matt Murdock is not only the best thing the MCU has going for it, but is also a better anchor than Iron Man or Captain America. <sighs> How long do I get? Sixty seconds. Wait, I I am I am Brian, on this you opinion. Six, you have sixty seconds, and you can start whenever you like. Okay, so Matt Murdock is absolutely the best anchor. Not just the MCU is going to have, but definitely Phase Four, Five, and Six are going to have because of so so many things. But because mostly because he is a man of the people. He is the every guy. Even I mean, even though he does some super heroic things, he is. Severely handicapped by his his blindness. And we can really enter the world a lot easier with him than we ever did with Iron Man. Because I'm never going to have as much money as Iron Man. I'm never going to be as smart as Iron Man. He's not that relatable of a character. It worked for the time that it worked because he is Robert Downey Jr. And he's charming AF. I think you have, especially with you with that Matt Murdock we have right now, you have him. He's still charming as fuck. And... He's more relatable as a character. He's fighting down, you know, street level, the things that we care about. And you get to see this world through his eyes. Perfect. You're counting me down. So I'm done. When you think about the everyman, when you think about relatable and you really think about who the linchpin of the MCU is, uh, it's Spider-Man. First off, they literally did hand over the Tony Hark mantle to him. Spider-Man is is relatable. Spider-Man does not have every money. Spider-Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in three movies fighting things that are happening on the street. As a matter of fact, he even got a churro from a lady. She was very nice about it. Uh, why does Spider-Man wear a mask head to toe? Because it could be anybody, Brian. Anyone could be under that mask. It could be you. It could be your brother. It could be your sister. It could be your neighbor. Could be anybody. Spider-Man is going through a relatable part, too, of, of, of growing into these powers and taking on the responsibility and learning and failing through them. Uh, while Matt Murdock is, is doing that, he's had him for so long that he's he's in there. Spider-Man is everyone's character and, let's face it, a beloved MCU character. He's the linchpin. So you you missed the prompt because the prompt was defend that Iron Man was better. Well, a, I did miss the prompt. I asked for B, it and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't B, hear. But Sony owns Spider Man, so there's nothing you can do about that. For you, now, you, I, I, I was really uh, yeah, and I was just basing it on that Iron Man and Captain America were really the anchor for. They really were. Yeah, phases one through three, um, and that's that's kind of uh, Brian's. Uh, Brian's defense of my opinion was uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, no spectacular. That's a good, no that's a good opinion. Name. That's right. It was also amazing <laughs> and fantastic. It was also um, without fear. So we cover it. <laughs> that's right. Um, I feel born again. All of my opinions remain unchanged, though. I am giving. Uh, <laughs> well, most and, of them are right. <laughs> yeah, the right opinion. The Lord of the Rings <laughs> one, I don't agree with you on, but the I other just two, can't, I, do. I like. Yeah, I get it. I can't. This, the The Hobbit movies are so much more fun. I cannot. Oh, they're so boring. I, no, there's a, like a five minute barrel ride through a yes, river. Yes, that's great. Oh my I, god, it's so listen, dull. Man, I will put I will put the Battle of Helm's Deep up against any scene, any in the Hobbit. 
Battle of yeah, Helm's but then Deep it, is much then, better. Yeah, but then the movie goes on for another three hours. Because then, then you got the Battle of Minas Tirith, which is just as There's good. Another battle. There's more action. All right, There's more all right, action. All right, all right. We're, we're done. We're done with the topic. Um, the guy so lights himself I, on fire and jumps CJ, off I'm, the I'm tower. I'm giving you um, two additional points uh, because I think your, your, your points about Spider-Man are incredibly valid. Um, I think he is, uh, unfortunately, just not... Business like, sense I, I just wise, don't, we can't do yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly Listen, right. Uh, um, I wrote an essay without reading the prompt on the SATs. I'm getting some. You can't points. hang <laughs> the entirety of the next few phases on a character that you have no idea what the future is about. At least we know we have Daredevil, and quite frankly, in the comic book, be, the reason why Daredevil and Spider-Man are such close friends is because they're very similar. They both come from poverty. They both have nothing. They both are every man trying to do the right thing by the guy on the street. So. One decides to go through the law. The other person decides to, you know, try to take pictures of <laughs> so, himself and so, make, make a quick buck. So we, have, we have the following. I have at the end of our topics and show, um, CJ has nine, 12 points. Brian has 14 points. Woo-hoo! Uh, Brian wins and will host our next episode. Um and uh, guys, thank you for thank you for a lot of fun. Thank you for some great topics and a great show, uh, listeners. Uh, thank you for being you, Austin. Thanks for the voicemail. We always encourage that from everyone who listens to the show. And if you would like to be part of that, all you have to do is you can call, text, whatever. Four eight four three seven three four one one nine is how Austin gave us our our voice memo. But if you also just want to start a conversation on Twitter, uh, I'm there a lot. Uh, so if you actually want to talk to these two guys who are, who are good at it, send the message. I'll get it to them. Right. That's right. Uh, but uh, yes, I do yeah. not use social media. Right. But uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or the text line. Uh, and we'll we'll put your thoughts right here on the air. So thank you, Austin. All right. So, again, thank you for making us your walk around the walk around your neighborhood or your drive to work. We appreciate you. We will see you next time. Well, welcome to the club, because you are that kind of nerd. 